Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lunch and Recycling Podcast. Here with Benji, as always, he's even got the Adria Mobile or Adria jersey behind him. This is the Alps and Phoenix 2022 preview the only Pro Conti team that we'll be doing a preview for, but they were so good in 2021 that we thought we may as well give them one and possibly will be a World Tour team in 2023. But before we get into the recap of their season, some transfers, some MVP injury news as well, mention this show is brought to you by show partner LaCole. Now, if you want to get a 20% discount off LaCole kit, you can use our code, all caps, LRCP2022. That's LRCP2022 to get 20% off any and all LaCole kit at checkout. They even have a new pro indoor collection they have just released if you're indoor training or stuck inside training during the Northern Hemisphere winter. Alberson Phoenix Benji, 33 wins, 14 World Tour wins, a stage in each of the three Grand Tours, including two Tour de France stages, and it should have been more. It's hard to imagine a better season for a pro Conti team or any, even a world, most world tour teams. Yeah, it's pretty insane. And it doesn't come from like one rider only. It's not that Van der Poel is getting all the victories for this team. They've got multiple aspects that are taking in the victories here. Van der Poel's a big one, of course, with that spectacular Tirreno win. And on stage five, Castel Fidardo, then stage three, he also had a victory there. He won Strade Bianche, won a stage in the Oito, he won a stage in the. Uh, Tour de France and took the yellow jersey there. Obviously, a very good season from him. Tour de Suisse as well, two stage wins. But Merlin and Philipsen exist as well. And not only them, next to them, they've also got victories from riders that I perhaps wasn't expecting it, like a Walsleben taking away a stage here or there. And uh, actually, two stage wins by Walsleben. So the guy had a season that I was not expecting personally. Modolo taking a win in the Tour de Luxembourg, for example. Murisa winning an Italian Classic. It comes from everywhere, kind of. And yeah, Wolfsleben promptly retired after he won his first two pro road races. I think he'd been a cyclocrosser before. And I remember actually that with Arctic Race of Norway stage, he won ahead of Terpstra. Quite a funny stage. Anyway, Albers Phoenix, as Benji said, in terms of World Tour victories, though, it is, it is a lot on the three. It's all on the three. Philips and Merlier and Vanderpool yep. and... You got to remember they were also pulled out of UAE after stage one because of a positive COVID case as well. Maybe they would have had more stages there. But the question for this team, Benji, going forward is, and now we'll get to the transfers, is do they need to start adding some more elements apart from just Benelux guys who are good in sprints and cobbled classics type races? If they want to take the step up to World Tour, if they want to do that, then you know they'll have to have a, a deeper team to send to the likes of Catalonia, etc. But out after 2021 is Modelo. He's gone to Bardiani for a year. I think he was thinking of retiring. Petr Vaklodz did retire young. It's a shame after his crash, before his crash, absolutely elite puncher. Yeah, Roy Jans has retired. Lawrence de Vriza, I'm not sure where he's gone. Volzovim has retired, as I said. 
Alex Richardson and Marcel Miesen appear to be without teams. They didn't get extended. And Otto Vergeda, who got disqualified from RVV, has gone to Trek Segafredo because he's Jasper Sturvin's friend. And the big ones, Benji, are the – well, not maybe not big ones. Let's settle down. Uh, ben Tullet's the big one. He's gone to yep. Ineos Grenadiers. Is that just a money thing? I think it's both a money thing and an opportunity, I think, for Ben Tullet. Like, yes, riding at Alpsin for this time is great. I do think that when he goes to the Hill Classics that if Vanderpool is there, he's going to get the leadership. But I also think that he had an opportunity to go for himself in Alpecin. And I think that will be less in the team that he goes to in Ineos with Bidcock being in that squad. But I still believe that it's a good decision for him. I do think that money is uh, playing a part in that. Louis Vavica has gone to Quickstep Arthur Vinyl team. Belgians think he'll be the rebirth of Walt Poles and Mikel Nieve domestique in 2015 for Remco Poel, That remains to be seen. Incoming transfers, a little bit like they're just doubling down on sort of some Conti sprinters who they probably think they can get to improve even more, Benji. And the classic one there is Jakob Marechko, um, who a highway overpass is too much for him to get over. What? <laughs> why have they signed Marechko? Well, the only thing I see in value in Mareshko is winning Asian sprint stages as he's won like 30 right now, 18 stage in the Tour of Taihu Lake, 7 in Tour of Hainan, 3 in Kinkai Lake, 3 in Langkawi, 2 in the Tour of Turkey. It's like it's like they want to get a sprinter under Merlin and Philipson to ride the sprint stage that Merlin and Philipson can't do anymore because they're stronger now. And for example, if we think about the Tour of Turkey, for example, it's not World Tour anymore which means that they can send a smaller sprinter to that. And I think Mareshko fits in that role right now. While Philipson and Merlier will be focusing mainly on World Tour races and those dot pro victories as well in one-day races in Belgium and so forth. Is that a guess that is correct in your eyes or where do you see Mareshko going? 100%. I, now that you said that, it makes a lot of sense that Antalya, Tour of Turkey, Merlier and Philipson is probably a little bit beneath them now to be going to those races or at least those guys need to be focusing on World Tour wins and peaking for those, yeah. and Mareczko fits perfectly there. Uh, Guillaume van Kersbulk has come from Alpecin Phoenix dev team, but he's like 32. Won't do anything. Goggle from Quebec and Next Hash. So a couple of riders who from teams that have folded, being Goggle and Mareczko. Goggle is the Strata Bianca guy who there was like there'd be a group of MVDP and Wout and Co. and and he was in there. I think they sixth in Strata this year, uh, last year, Benji eighth in Amstel. Yeah. I think it just adds a bit more to their punch because they're not that stacked or don't have that much enemy op- options in Amstel and stuff, particularly without MVDP. Yeah, certainly. I think that in Strade, it was pretty great to see that we had a group of Vanderpool, Alaphilippe, Bernal, Vanard, Pitcock, Pogacar, and Michael Goggle. <laughs> I, am, I remember seeing the tweets that were joking about that aspect, but the guy has had some overperformances across the years, and I think that was certainly one of them. The thing I don't see is consistency in his results. If he can get that get that top 10 position in Hill Classics going as a consistent thing, then he's very valuable for a team like this. If he can't get that, that's less valuable. But I think he's still worthy of having as a domestique on basically hilly terrains. And perhaps he could also try and go for a stage win in the Grand Tour in the breakaway at a certain point. I don't know. There's no Montalcino stage this year in the Giro. But any hill stage like that, I would still uh, look to have him in the breakaway. Yeah, I think... 
I think he's a decent signing. Other signings, Gaze, Kiwi from Alison Phoenix, who had been on Quick Step in 2019 as a trainee. They went to Upperson, they went to their dev team, now back up to their main team. He's 26, sort of TT guy. I think he'll just be a domestique, frankly. Uh, Sean Bax, from, uh, a, he's a Dutch rider from a Conti team. He has some GC results in like 2-2 races, like Tour de la Mirabelle, Alps, Isère Tour, but I think he's just a... Yeah, don't see it at World Tour or even dot .pro level, but they're trying to fill out he's more of a climber. Maurice Ballastet, Benji, he's from Jumbo Visma dev team. And let's take a moment here. To, he's quite talented, good German, good TT, eighth at Egmont Cycling Classic, young. Finn Fisher Black, Ballastet gone. Why do you think, I don't know, is it just that Jumbo didn't want him? Or do you think there's a pattern maybe that Jumbo dev team, they do have some of their top guys leaving? I think it's a combination of both. I think Fisher Black is more of a top guy leaving than Ballerstedt personally. I think that they have the benefit of having so much talent in that dev team, Jumbo, that sometimes they can say no to talent. And perhaps that's what happened in this situation. I noticed that this rider is relatively good at time trial, but he's not the top of the crop when it comes to it. He's decent at uh, under 23 races where he wins in versatile hilly sprints, kind of, where he, he's he got a stage in Etoupe in the Tour du Pays de Montbéliard, where he got away last minute on a hill stage and time trial to the finish line. So that time trial came in. But he's also got top 10 sprints some at places. And in a Conti sprint, second behind Patrick Stosch of Voster, that's a pretty decent Conti sprinter that he just came uh, second after. So he's a bit versatile in that area. But when we look at riders that are also in Jumbo's uh, dev team, we've got the Van Dijk, Van Dijk brothers, we've got Hasmon. Those are riders that I would put a level higher than Ballerstedt personally. And perhaps the decision was made there where this man, Ballerstedt, was like, I'm 21, I want to go to another team. I don't want to stay in a dev team for this year. So I'm going to make the decision to go to Alpes in Phoenix and not stay another year, perhaps, at Jumbo dev team before they try and pick me up at the end of that year. Fabio van den Bosche is a Belgian 21-year-old. They've also signed 12th on GC at Tour de Volony, 15th GC at Balwaza Belgium Tour. He was on Sport Flander and Balwaza. He just looks like a bit of a development, a classic sort of Alperson rider for those sort of races that they've signed. And the last couple, Benji, are transfers from World Tour teams, the only two transfers from World Tour teams, if you're not counting Gogol from the defunct Quebec and Hash. Aldani first, Benji, the Italian from Lotto Sudal, who's shown some flashes of really good level and fourth in a Giro stage this year at 24 and a couple of other top 10s are just consistent top 10s in sprints this year as well as second in Welter Castilla Ilion. I was really surprised to see Lotto let him go, particularly as a potential high point scorer this year. I agree, but I think that it could also be that his contract at Lotto was running out and that Aldani thought to himself, well, I've got a team, Lotto, that is going downhill at the moment when it comes to their performances across the years. I've got an opportunity, Alpeston Phoenix, of a team that is moving up when it comes to their performances across the years and has a brighter future ahead of them based on what we can see now. I do think that it might have been a decision of Aldani instead of Lotto to leave that team and go to Alpeston Phoenix because I do believe that he's a, a pretty strong rider and that he's good on many different terrains. He's got low-key uh, versatile hilly results. He's got decent sprint on the flat as well. He can low-key follow on cobbles, although it hasn't really come out recently this year. So all that combined, I believe that he's a very valuable asset to uh, Alpes and Phoenix personally. 
The last one who I actually think is the most talented of the lot is Rob Stannard, the 23-year-old coming from Mitchelton Scott, or Bike Exchange rather, 23 now, still young, and he has been on Michelin Scott. He was there for a good you know, four years, started there very young, sixth at Brabant uh, in 2021 when he did get his own opportunity to ride for himself. He had really good Italian classics results at under-23s or juniors. He came second in 2020 at Giro della Toscana. But a lot of the time he has ridden, and this is why the results don't show it, in support of Michael Matthews, particularly at the Vuelta. But when he gets his own chance, he gets decent results, like the Chiosdino stage and Torino yeah. stage two. He came sixth there, a really good result. He would have won, obviously, the Andalusia stage. Well, obviously, I think he would have won the stage five sprint, his first pro win at Andalusia, but Impey chopped him. We all know the story there. And then Benji and I were the least surprised people on the planet that he left bike exchange after that. I think he's going to kick off at Alps and Benji. Yeah, I think so as well. I think it's an opportunity for him to really get uh, through the barrier there. But what races do you think he will get a lead at at this team? And will that depend on the races that he goes to? Because in all honesty, when it comes to Rob Standard, I don't immediately see him leading a team at a certain type of race. Well, I think he's going to get a lot of leadership at Hilly Italian Classics, where they're very weak. And... Even at True. like Liege style races and other just hilly one day races or Spanish hilly races. I don't know if they do GP in the rain or something like that. But the reason I think he w- might have a, a better, more leadership and more responsibility, Benji, which I want to talk about uh, right now, is Matthew Vanderpol's injury. We It's come out that he had a bit of a, a knee issue and then that got fixed. But then the team's come out and there's been conflicting reports, but then the Rudolphs came out and then his father was saying what was happening, that apparently he's going to be out of racing action for months. He's not doing CX World Championships and stop riding CX on the 5th of January because he has chronic pain in his back. The Rudolph brothers said he doesn't have chronic back pain. He just has continual back problems where he has pain in his back quite a lot, which is the definition of chronic back pain. Um, so apparently that needs to be fixed. And to quote his team doctor, just to make sure, Guy Schutter said in an interview, one of the discs in his back didn't fully function as a shock, absor- shock absorber, resulting in less movement in his lower back. It looks like he will be missing at least the first few months of racing. I think, Benji, they've got to be... They have to be so overly cautious here. They are good points-wise. They have Phillips in a early year. If they want to go World Tour next year, it's open to them. If they do go World Tour, they need a healthy Vanderpol for that next three-year cycle and for their sponsors, and I don't think they should rush him back. Not exactly a controversial opinion, right? Yeah, I believe that uh, I agree with you. They've also been quite clear about that they're not trying to rush him back. I think Matthew Vanderpol himself said, Quite recently, when he, well, he returned to CX and then he left CX again, again because the injury was uh, kind of back. And then we heard that he was saying, okay, I'm not going to rush myself back. I'm going to make sure everything's all right before I get back to uh, racing. And the question is then, well, when is he going to come back? We could, we're talking about not being there for the CX Worlds, but what does this mean for the uh, season that is coming? And we've already had a bit of reporting where. It looks like he might not even be back for the initial classics of the season. And the question there is then, is that going to hurt the team? Who is going to take leadership then if Matthew Vanderpool is not there? 
all these questions, but it's definitely sure that it's a lingering back pain that needs to be fixed in the long term and doesn't need to be bandaged up to do a decouple races in a quick matter, I think. Exactly. They, they're pretty deep there with Philipson and Merlier, particularly Philipson, I think, can take over a leadership role in some of them. And I think I'm understanding this correctly, Benji. This back issue is unrelated to the famous crash he had in the Olympics mountain bike uh, where he like landed heavily on his back. Apparently, this was a lingering issue before then, according to the Rudolphs, and it's not technically related to that heavy fall. So I think my concern is I know he's only 27, Matthew Vanderpol, but he's ride, been riding very seriously for a long time. Do you think with the likes of Pidcock, Van Aert, and Matthew Vanderpol, Benji, CX seems to give them almost a bit of an advantage in terms of how I don't know how good they are. Maybe it's unrelated, but is he, is he doing too much? Is Van der Poel doing too much, doing mountain bike one day, CX one day, or do you think it's just unrelated and he just has a back problem? Well, quite certainly, I think that doing an, an entire season of racing for five years in a row is going to perhaps overload a rider and might make him peak earlier in his career and so forth, but that's something that hasn't been properly proven yet. How many riders in the history have done CX, mountain bike, and road race throughout the entire year? And do we have a proper report of that five years later they were not at their best level anymore as a consequence? We don't have that much data when it comes to that. So we're kind of in the moment where I think I heard Wout van Aert speak about it on a podcast most recently, where he was asked, well, uh, the dad of Matthew van der Poel was speaking about that these riders, they are being rushed through all these disciplines an entire year, is that going to have a consequence on their career? And Vanat basically responded with, I don't know. Like, I guess that's something that we'll see in the future. I personally don't feel it, so he said, but it might be a, something that pops up at a certain point. And particularly, men, like, I don't know how mentally draining it is for Wal Vanat to turn up and do a CX race. Like, is it just basically like him doing an hour sort of intensity of not training, but an hour of serious intensity and there's just people there watching. Like the crash, ri- the, the crash risk where you actually will hurt yourself seriously is quite low. Um, so maybe it's not that big a deal. I don't know. But it does seem like when everybody else, all these other riders who, particularly the GC guys or classics guys, are tuning up with, you know, proper training or road-focused training, and these guys are flying out to America, well, wow, but no, it's not going, but they're doing CX right up until the end of January. It you do wonder how does that affect the start of their classic season. But I don't think when we're going to see Van der Poel at opening weekend. Remains to be seen whether we'll see him at Tour of Flanders. I certainly hope we do. It's He's a big element to that and hopefully Paris-Roubaix as well. But I think Tour de France, Benji, he again will be wanting to take yellow either with after the TT or one of those cobbly stages. So that's why I think they should be really cautious because that Tour de France stage five cobble stage really has his name uh, all over it as well as Askren and Pedersen, et cetera. But on that note, Benji, speaking of cobble classics, who do you think will take up the mantle? Do you just slot in Philipson for opening weekend? Oh, I think it's a really difficult uh, decision there. I think John even made is certainly a rider that can't be underestimated because he was seventh in RVV this year. So he's the rider that I would put as one of the leaders. I would not necessarily put everything on uh, 
on Philipson for those races because I believe for majors a better couple rider than Philipson is. I know uh, that's uh, controversial when talking to you after uh, the hype of Paris Roubaix of Philipson last season, <laughs> but I believe for majors better. But all in all, I yeah, I think Dries de Bond is a rider I can't support. Ricard is a rider I can't support. Delier is a rider I can't support. But I don't see other real top leaders in this team for those color races. Perhaps someone like Vermeer should take over. I agree. For for E3, for uh, RVV, clearly it would be Vermeer without Mathieu van der Poel. And I think just for opening weekend for Omloop and Kerner, so you can, so Vermeer can be, you know, peak at, it's very hard to win or be the best at Omloop and then be the best at Roubaix and RVV. I would have Philipson for opening weekend and for Hent Wevelheim, or maybe have Philipson and Vermeer for Hent Wevelheim. Uh, there. And I do think Philipson yeah. at Kerner, I don't see any reason why he can't win that. What about Malia Benji? Would you make him focus on the Giro and his incredible success in stage race sprints? I would indeed put him in the Giro because we know that there's a lot of flat sprints in the Giro this year. But when it comes to like the start of the season in 2021, we saw that he won Le Samain, Montserrat, Breda and Coxide, those 1.1.1. Well, no, that's not a that's not a classification. One dot one and one dot pro <laughs> races. That's the one he won. And then in Kuni, he came thirty eighth. So he he was not in the front group. He was two minutes behind there. So that's where the trouble lies. It looks like he's not great enough at get at getting over the cobbles to make it to the first group in those races. So I don't know if Gendwevelgem is really relaxed, then he might do it. But once again, thirty fourth in Gendwevelgem. That's not. It's not really the group that you need to be in if you want to sprint for it in the end. Then again, Philipson didn't make the first group in Hien Wevelgem either this year. In Dwarzor Vlaanderen, he got third, though, which is, uh, I guess, an opportunity and shows that he can get over those hills. But then again, Dwarzor Vlaanderen was not the most crazy uh, cobble stage of the race. year, of course. <laughs> it's a fake one. Yeah, made up race. I think in terms of, and it's hard, it's hard for us to predict squads for Alperson because they don't have to go to every World Tour race. They, that's the benefit they have, that they get invited to all of them. And, but I know that they've turned down Catalonia, apparently. So they're not going to Catalonia. I believe they're going to Paris-Nice. In terms of GC, I'm really keen, obviously biased, but Jay Vine, to see what he can do in his second year now, uh, racing in World Tour races. I think he might be doing Harry Nice, and we'll see what he can do on that Torini climb on stage. Seven fifteen k's, seven percent. Uh, so he's one to watch. I think he's their he's their best climber. But Tobias Bayer Benji is there. He's twenty two. I reckon Bayer could kick on as well. Yeah, I think so as well. He had a good uh, was it Burgos stage where he got top five? I think over the uh, whatever the name of that climb is again, and at. To Vuelta, he ended up crashing out, I think. Didn't he ride into like a branch or something at a certain point? He did. The thing I really want to discuss, and it's still a hangover from last year, Benji, is Tour de France, and Chaudepres didn't matter because Merlier missed the split and Philipson didn't, and he won that race. Merlier and Philipson at the same race and their Tour de France team, let's assume for present purposes that MVDP will be right for July, which is six months, seven months away, I think. I'm hope, hoping he will be, and I think he will be. Obviously, he has to go to the tour. But do you send both Merlier and Phillips and Benji? And with the different green jersey competition this year, which is more tradi- it's less 
pure sprint focused and I think Philipson climbs quite well and Merlier definitely will not probably finish the race. Do you send both? Because Merlier is the better pure bunch sprinter. It's a very difficult situation to look at because we've had Van Aert already say that he wants to go to for the green jersey in the Tour de France. Now looking at Alpesen, they've got three options like you mentioned. Van der Poel, Philipsen or Merlier. Merlier is not a chance for green in my opinion. There's not that many pure flat sprint stage. I think we said three, four, something like that when we looked at the uh, route preview we did. And then I think about Philipsen, I think... Yeah, he can indeed do the more versatile sprint stage, but there are also not that many versatile sprint stage in the Tour de France. So then I'm thinking, okay, going in the breakaway might matter a lot. And in that situation, Vanderpool is the man that fits that role perfectly. So True. it's like, it's very difficult to say which one should go for it. It's certainly not Merlier. I personally believe that I'd like to see Vanderpool go for it because it's going to spice it up the race. We would all love to see Vanderpool go into the breakaway every day to try and take green jersey points and Vanat trying yes. to defend it against him. That'd be amazing. But I find it hard to believe that they're going to be sprinting with Medlier, Philipson, and Vanderpool in the same sprint, where most likely I'd see Philipson doing a lead out for Medlier in a flat sprint. And then we'd see Vanderpool sprinting in the top 10 position when he can. And I just don't see that. I know it's it's an almost impossible answer because we like I'm firmly of the belief that Merlier is a faster sprinter in a pure sprint than Philipson, particularly with the Jonas Rickart lead out that is maybe one of the best combinations in cycling behind Merku and uh Jakobsen perhaps in the Tour de France and but then Philipson is the much better green jersey option, but then there's MVDP, but then will MVDP finish the race or will he be doing just, you know, MVDP? I've never seen him focus on a single thing for three weeks straight, Benji. So <laughs> I don't know. I, it's, it's definitely one to watch. I would – well, Merle is going to the tour, so he, uh, he definitely will go. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably – I wouldn't he? then send Philipson. I'm pretty well, – apparently he's going to the tour. Okay, okay, and I think okay. that does make sense. I think first week stage wins, opening weekend stage wins are really important. I would send Melier, and I would actually I would snub Philipson, and I would send him to the Vuelta again, and just make him do some other stage races or one days around the Tour de France or just after. Um, so sorry, Jasper. Oh, I'd feel bad after last year getting second and third in many positions, and well, that proves my point, the end doesn't it? After Sean Elysee was crying on the other side of the road because it was over and he didn't get that sprint victory. Come on, don't leave him home. <laughs> I'd feel bad uh, about it. I don't feel bad. If he'd won one of them, then maybe he'd go. But uh, maybe it, we'll see as well. There's a long, long time until the Tour de France, and maybe he's absolutely flying. He's also still a young guy. But yeah, I think last year, Merle won the stage. Then they tried about seven times with Philipson. Didn't happen. No, not going. Sorry. Uh, but. That's pretty much well, uh, their TDF squad. Obviously, Jonas Rickart and, and Krieger will go and Sylvain Dillier probably and Audrey de Bont, who I was surprised didn't go last year, or Vermeersh, et cetera, more of a classics-focused one. What are you most looking at with this team, Benji? Obviously, MVDP, we're hoping, will come back. But who do you think will will break out and, and do something that's not Merlier, Philipson, or MVDP? Well, we've spoken about Jay Vine already last year a lot, but also you just did because you're pretty hyped about him. 
I am currently of the opinion that I'd rather see him go for a stage win before I see him go for GC. And that's just my take on that. Sure, he might be able to do a proper GT, but we haven't seen like full-on uh, reports of that so far, so I wouldn't be uh, sure about that yet. And I'm asking myself, what Grand Tour would J-Vine be sent to? And I'm saying Giro Velta. is the one I'm... Well, Giro Velta double, perhaps. Or is that too early? He won't do Giro. He'll, I think he'll ah. do Vuelta. Um, I think Vuelta suits him a lot. It's still like, so long. <laughs> I want to see him ride more mountain stages. No, he'll be doing he'll be doing a lot of stage he'll be doing stage races, I think. But what about the Giro you mentioned, Benji? Do you think the likes of will we continue to see random wins from the likes of Riesebeck or uh, Wellesley and etc. Do you or, or Goggle? Do you expect this team to keep getting the most out of other riders? I'm not necessarily saying that they're going to win with Rizabek. I uh, do see an ability of winning a stage with Oldani. He can also climb next to sprinting and put that combination in the breakaway in the Giro and he can win a stage in the Giro. I truly believe that. Now, when it comes to Gogol, similar situation. I'm just not sure he's the winning type. That's something I still need to see when it comes to Gogol before saying that he can win a stage at the Giro, for example. I am curious what Tobias Bayer will be doing. I think it's going to be a very similar thing as Jane Vine when as Jay Vine when it comes to potentially going into breakaways at the moment and trying to get a, a stage win somewhere here and there and trying to get more consistent mountain results throughout the year. And uh, I think that's something I look forward to in those two types. When it comes to completing a team for the Giro, it's curious because I'd be saying, obviously, a sprint train for Merlir and next to that, riders like Oldani for breakaways, right? Goal for a breakaway, perhaps. Mareshko. Then I'm already like, <laughs> who else? Mareshko, okay. Why? <laughs> for the third week, because might not get uh, there. <laughs> I reckon, like, Murasa in a break. Murasa in a break is good. Um, but yeah, I think it's just train with, with Merlier plus Murasa and a couple of couple of breakaway guys like like uh, Tatir or something. I don't know, maybe Tobias Bayer. Short, short backspin you. See how he goes on GC. See if he can go top 15. <laughs> I don't believe it, sorry. I think it's possible. Anything's possible. Um, before we get on to our hot takes, a special segment for Alberson, which is will they, won't they, will Alberson Phoenix go to World Tour in 2023? Now, obviously, they can walk in. We've, we've mentioned the point system ad nauseum. They're ranked, I don't know, sixth or seventh across the three-year cycle or they're they're clearly above they're well in the top 18 and even if they have a season from hell with no mvdp they've still got merlier phillips and they are going to be eligible to walk into the world tour if they want to if they have applied for 2023 but the rudolph brothers have been very elusive about confirming whether they have or haven't applied which frankly i don't really know the tactics or strategies why do you what do you think, Benji? Do you think they've they've applied and want to actually go into World Tour in the next three-year cycle? Well, I'll be honest about it. I've had like seven people at this point say that it's a, an invisible secret that they've already applied, apparently. But I can't confirm okay. that 100% without actually knowing it myself. So it's all external sources, but it's people that actually are in the business of journalism and cycling. So if they're lying about it, that would be pretty sad. But uh, so if seven other people all disconnected from each other are saying the exact same thing, I feel like it's likely that it's the case that they are going to World Tour. Do I believe that they should? Yes, I think they should. And the reason is simple. They are currently in the first position 
of the Pro Conti, Pro Tour, second division in cycling, basically. That allows them those benefits of choosing the access to all the races they want to ride without getting a World Tour license. They also have like lighter rules when it comes to minimum salary and so forth, although I'm not sure they even uh, use that to their advantage, to be honest. But I do believe that they have that spot now, but can you trust the UCI of not changing the rules when it comes to that first spot in the next three-year cycle? I don't trust the UCI in that. I would want to secure my access to the Tour de France by being in that World Tour division. Obviously, it's going to cost money, but let's be honest, Alps and Phoenix has gotten quite a few new sponsors, including that, the Koenig and so forth. With Van der Poel in your team, you're not going to have too much trouble getting sponsors, I would expect, uh, except for the, what was it, that video they did? If they make a lot of more videos like that one, the advertisement for the Koenig. <laughs> Jesus Christ. If you haven't the seen Koenig that yet, you should, you should check it out. Yeah. Uh, so basically, no, if they have yeah. a, <laughs> so I don't think they'll have trouble to pay for a world tour license personally, and I believe that they're strong enough to definitely make the move to world tour. And I think it I would don't know be. About that. I think they would get a lot of criticism if they would stay to benefit from that first spot in second division. I think you've touched on it there and, and that criticism is related to your earlier point about the UCI is that this system cannot continue like this. And the UCI surely knows that, that you cannot have a team. The point of the this whole system is that it creates a promotion relegation system so that the best Pro Conti team is able to move up to World Tour. And currently Alpes and Phoenix have a better license than the World Tour teams. They pay less. I don't know. I think World Tour costs like 250K euro. I'm making that up maybe. Yeah, minimum 150. I checked it the other day. Okay. So you got to pay a fair chunk of change, which is that's one, that's a rider right there or a decent-ish rider or, you know, strong Neo Pro. Pay that and then they they can turn down invites. Catalonia, Alperson are like, you know what? Our sponsors don't really care about Catalonia. We're not going. And going to races costs money. And yep. having a team that is capable of going to them also costs money. So this system cannot continue, and that's why I think Benji's alluded to it. I agree. There's a decent chance the UCI amend this system and maybe change it into a use it or lose it, where if you don't apply to be World Tour at the end of the cycle, well, you don't get access to this special invitation system. So, And what, what if MVP is injured, Benji, and they then can't get wildcard invites in the next cycle? Yeah, quite possible in that situation. But to be honest, they have enough riders in their team that they could probably survive without Vanderpool, to be honest. But in all honesty, another aspect to that is now there's the fact that we currently have had 19 World Tour teams, including Quebec last year. And that's moving towards 18, which apparently, according to the current rules, makes it so that two riders will have that benefit that Alpecin now has. Two teams will have that benefit that Alpecin now has in the next year. If that is the case, then two teams have more benefits than all the World Tour teams. That can't consistently <laughs> happen in the coming years. Something has to change in that aspect. And therefore, there's always a danger that the UCI changes it. And if that happens, then the first person or the first team in that ranking that is benefiting from that is going to be very sad to know that they're stuck in a three-year cycle in Pro Conti and might not have those benefits in the coming years. So, Alperson, let's say they do go World Tour, Benji, in, in the next three-year cycle. Like 2023, suddenly Alperson Phoenix is a World Tour team. There's all the admin and business stuff behind it, whatever, that's fine. 
nothing really changes in terms of uh, the top race invitations. They're already going to all the monuments. They're already going to all three grand tours they have the last year and they will this year and they will the next year. So what, what would you change if you were the Rudolf brothers? If you were Alperson, would you suddenly, Benji, be doing different signings or would you double down on what they've been doing, which is signing the likes of Melier and Philipsons and just just honing in on those Belgian races? And then, I mean, Jay Vine is a, sort of a weird one because he got the contract initially through Zwift and then they extended him because he got did quite well last year. Uh, Bayer as well is a bit of a, a different one. Or would you suddenly be like, okay, we need, we need to have a team for Lombardia now? I have an issue with the signing of Mareshko because of this. Because we're talking about the fact that Mareshko is going to be the guy that feels like he could go to the likes of a Tour of Turkey and smaller one-day races that Philipson and Merlier are too good for to also take UCI points. But if they go to World Tour next year, that's completely irrelevant. Like, exactly. yes, it's still manageable or useful that that guy will go to those smaller races. But with Merlier, Philipson, and also the likes of uh, a Vanderpool in your team, he's going to have to get lucky to get in the top five of the riders. And I think it's a top five riders that count for the UCI points, right? Top 10. Yeah, top 10 riders. Oh, count to UCI. well, he's probably going to get in the top 10. <laughs> no, he will for sure, 100%. He yeah. would easily get in top 10. Um, I agree, like he, and I don't think he's that cheap, although he, you know, he was on Vini and that he might not have had much negotiating leverage. It's a two-year deal. It's not like a four-year deal, but still, I agree with Benji's point, like, it becomes less important and you need to then have a squad. Instead of the manpower that you're able to deny the Catalonia invite and go to a different race, yeah. you have to go to Catalonia. You have to go to Basque Country. You have to go to all these races. And Fortunato. I, I presume, I actually, I rode, I, I rode past the whole of Yola Canada today. I think Fortunato was there on the uh, Mongo descent from Javier to, to Denia. <laughs> um, they were, got, they were doing photos and stuff. I, was, I felt bad for Benji uh, not being there at the time. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, that was my little anecdote. Uh, Fortunato, no, no. Yeah, but exactly. Like, Come on. There's a risk, Benji, when a team when teams try to sign some GC riders, et cetera, and it's like why not just double down on what they're good at and I think that's what they will do. But you don't need the Moreshkos of the world in, in the future. But, yeah, how do you – how do you think – now into the hot takes, Benji. Uh, we, by the way, for the record, I think they're going World Tour in 2023. Is that your, your gut feeling, Benji? Yeah, I believe that. Alperson is World Tour in 2023. Okay. Hot takes time or predictions rather. So they had 14 World Tour wins in 2021. They threw away a couple of the Tour as well. As we all know, I'm setting the over-under at 12.5, which is pretty high given MVDPs out for the first few months, but 12.5, Benji. I'm going to put it 12.5. I'm going to go under? I'm I think I'm under. going to go under. Yeah, I'm going to go under, and I'll start off with my first hot take as well. I believe that Vanderpool will not win a single race before the Tour de France. I agree with that. And yeah. I hope I'm wrong, but I think it's because of the injury. I think Jasper Philipson wins two classics, World Tour classics. I think he wins. <laughs> Which ones? Oxyclean. Kerner, Brugge de Pana, or, or uh, Gen Vevelhem. Two okay. of those three. Yeah. Easy. Easy does it. Um, 
I forgot Brugge de Panna was even there. I was going to say something. I was going to say it's like a harder race than that. Um, like Paris-Roubaix. Oh, that's French. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. MVP, I think we're both a bit bearish on his first half of the year and maybe even the second half as well. Uh, what about Merlier Benji? Do you think he'll still be top a top sprinter? I think I think Merlier wins... Uh, Oh, they're not going to send him to the World Tour because he doesn't care. I was about to say he's going to win a stage in each of the three Grand Tours, but he doesn't care to go to the World Tour. <laughs> um, do you think they win a monument? Mm, I don't think they will win a monument this year. And it's partially, once again, due to Matthew Vanderpool being uh, on the bench for quite a bit. And as a consequence, I'm not sure he's going to come back at full force from uh, from the kickoff. And therefore... If he's back at the Tour de France, for example, in proper form, then he's going to ride at Tour de France. He's going to do pretty well at that. But then we're looking at the rest of the season and there's only Lombardia left and they'll, unless Roubaix once again gets postponed to October. I think Jay Vine wins five races, a, uh, two oh. World Tour races and a Grand Tour stage. Not even a hot take. Um, I was going to go for one Grand Tour st- stage as a hot take. <laughs> Well, I mean, if the thing is, if he's good enough to win the Grand Tour stage, then he's good enough to yeah. cl- take a couple of wins. So that sort of feeds into it. Yeah, five wins for Vine minimum. And I think Gianni Vermeersch wins Tour of Flanders. And I think, do you think Merlier or Philipson leaves? I think absolutely no way. Or do you think Philipson maybe wants to go to the Tour somewhere? I think they stay. Um, while we want, While you said it, uh, if he wants to go to the tour someday, well, we have had the opportunity at the likes of a, a UAE to do that. Exactly. He stayed there. And he went to Alpecin anyway. So I guess it's not a dead set goal of his to be at every Tour de France. But I do believe that he's going to be at the Tour de France. I think they're going to send all three once again. And they're just going to go for Merlier in the first week. And then, uh, then when <laughs> Merlier is, the, is completely milked out of energy... Then, then they've got Philipson left and Vanderpool will be toying around and hoping that he can get green jersey points and then we'll realize that Philipson is higher than him in the green jersey points and as a consequence... I reckon it's going to be a mess. <laughs> He's doing a complete mess. <laughs> like, I, I wanted to say as hot take, Philipson's going to win the green jersey, but at this point, it's the only reason that I would have said that was because I would think that Vanard might also have a hot mess on his, on his hands at Yumbo, in which we'll talk in the Yumbo part about having to both be supportive for Roglic and next to that, trying to go for the green jersey he wants, not being able to attack away on the cobble stage and so forth. So that's perhaps something that locks him behind. But I've also got the feeling that Philipson's not perfect for the green jersey either. So at this point, I don't have a clue who's going to win that green jersey at all uh, of the Tour de France personally. But I do want to add that Aldani's going to win the Giro stage. All right. Aldani winning Giro with Merlier. We've said a lot of wins for them, so hopefully. I still think they'll take the under on the World Tour level wins. But, yeah, I think Edward Plankart probably takes them. They'll just have like these 1-1 or 2-1 wins from the likes of Plankart, et cetera, filling up the stat sheet as well. But still uh, really keen to see what happens with MVDP, but nonetheless a team to be excited for in 2022. We hope you enjoyed this Alpes and Phoenix preview. Thanks to our show partner, LaCole, for supporting the podcast. You can check them out down below with the discount code LRCP2022 for 20% off. And we'll see you with the next preview. Big hitter teams left only. Ciao.